This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. The freshman with six seconds to work. Rosdakis driving inside. Blocked. Tip to the corner. Matthews for the win. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mackie and Judd with Rami. Judd's got his Gophers beanie on today. Yeah, it's reversible, too. Watch this. Much like the result of last night's game. See, I can go that side of the goal, or I oh. can go with the block M. It is reversible. Uh-huh. Does the M turn into an L? Oh, oh that was... Why see? would you go there? You I'm see? positive today. Sky you mob, baby. Well, do you guys do you guys look oh. at that as a, as a moral... That was insincere, Judd. It was. Oh, yeah, no, totally. <laughs> does, does, does last night go down in the books for you guys as, okay... Well, you just went on the road against the number five team in the country, and you came back down 10 with like three minutes to go, tied the game. Moral victory. You feel good going into the next several games, <laughs> and then the Gophers are back on track. Or is it, well, that was a chance to stamp your resume, and nothing is guaranteed going forward? Because I'm kind of leaning toward, eh, you probably should have got that game when you had a chance to, because nothing is guaranteed the next month and a half. No, I, I don't know how anybody could feel like anything was guaranteed. For the next for the next month and a half for this for this basketball team, mm-hmm. I mean they haven't done anything to to lock up a spot or to to secure anything. I don't I don't think they have. Is there no. anybody who, who would who would think they're in? No, but I think I think you could you could say, well, they got smoked on the road at Illinois and then they barely beat Penn State at home. the The train is off the tracks. So performing that well against Michigan on the road and going toe to toe with them and having a Pretty big lead in the early part of the second half, but now at least you can feel good about this team being back on on track to perform better here down the stretch. So where is and what is the consistency here? That's what gets me about this team. Rutgers a week ago Saturday is a bad team. They beat them. It's pretty convincing. So you say, okay, this is exactly what they should do. Home to a bad team. Illinois is just a dumpster fire, train wreck, embarrassment. They haven't won a Big Ten game yet, and they smoke you, okay? That's a problem. You come home and play Penn State after that game, and you barely beat them. And Penn State, I believe as well, went into that game with no conference wins. So then you're like, okay, they won, but that's not convincing. And then, Eureka, last night. So I guess what I'd like to see is last night's performance continue? It's not that last night's uh, loss bugs me one bit, but if that's how you can play, and clearly you can play like that, then let's continue to see that, because if you do, they're going to win quite a few conference games. Yeah. So it's consistency. Well, that's that's the thing. Like the, the Big Ten's weird in that bad teams beat good teams because they're playing at home, and like... College kids freak out when they're in front of 18,000 screaming opposing fans. And so, like, there are those things that go into it. But uh, it is weird, the range of outcomes for this team. The fact that you can go in and almost beat a top-five team on the road a week after you got drubbed by 40 points against one of the worst teams in, in well, among the Power Five or Six conferences 
is sort of odd to me. But I don't think they're in a position right now, though, where good wins or good losses really exist. I think you have to be a better program than what Minnesota is for good luck. Lo- like when when the committee assembles to to decide who makes the tournament and who doesn't, I don't know if they look at a program like Minnesota and go, well, that was a loss, but it was a good loss. Do they even have, like, does the, does, is the committee just going off these? Is it the any, what's the rating system now? It's no longer RPI. Yeah, it's like I don't, NET or something. That's a good point. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, what's the say, human element anymore? But but that game, that game last night is very much how they're capable of performing. And if you perform like that for the rest of, of this year in the conference, you're gonna be fine. But you can't have these wild fluctuations in these games where you no show and these games where you show up for a half. Here here's the amazing thing to me about this team, and one player in particular, and we picked on this kid and he deserves it every step of the way. Isaiah Washington's damn near unplayable. He is darn near unplayable, guys. Like, I watch this guy at times, and listen, he goes through stretches where the confidence spikes up a little bit, and he'll sh- and he'll be a threat to shoot, and he, he's not great, but he can shoot a little bit. But when the confidence spikes up, he also can distribute, and he is a decent player. But there are moments where you say to yourself, get him off the court and never allow him yeah. back on. Well, let's just, I know we were... In our show scheduling, we were going to maybe get to this a little bit later in the hour, but it's the elephant in the room. Let's just talk about this. So last night, I think in a vacuum was a really positive result. In a just in a vacuum, I agree with I, I agree with Rami in that there's no such thing as a good loss when you're you got to have you have to have good wins. That's what gets you into the right, NCAA exactly. tournament. Exactly. So I <laughs> yeah. get I in get that. Excellent the, loss. In, in excellent order, loss. In order to be in the good yeah. loss conversation, you got to have some good wins. Yeah. Well, we yeah. played a bunch of great teams and lost to all of them, right? I mean, like <laughs> I understand that premise. So in a vacuum last night, however, was a great fighting effort by the Gophers against a team that they weren't supposed to beat in an environment that is usually too intimidating for a Gophers team, right? That said, it was another heartbreaking loss, and you've got some really questionable performances this year. So to what degree should Richard Pitino feel the heat as this season goes forward? I think Judd asked the question in our pre-show. Yeah, and if he doesn't, if they don't make the NCAA tournament, where are we at with Richard Pitino? And and I think the Fair or not, I think a very important part of this conversation is where the major men's sports at that school stand right now. Football coach is completely safe. He should be, but he, he's in the midst of developing something, right. so so there's no there there yet. You, you hope that there is, but as far as selling tickets and, and getting that stadium filled, it's not there. Mm-hmm. Hockey, first-year coach, the, the dynamic of that sport has changed completely. Arena, largely empty lots of times. So, like, if we're talking about, for, for the AD, Mark Coyle, if we're talking about, okay, I'm looking at these men's coaches of the most important sports in which I need to sell tickets and, and in which we, we need at least one of them right now to turn things around as quickly as possible. I think basketball is that sport. Now, Coyle likes Patino a lot. I don't think Patino deserves to be fired. But I do think that if this team does not make the tournament in his sixth year, there is a very good chance that the pressure is going to be enormous and that he could be fired because of the fact that the rest of the programs, men's programs at that school don't yet give you a solid base. So I uh, I need to see the rest of the season for sure, but barring a total disaster the rest of the way, um, I don't put him on the hot seat. If it's me making the decision, I think he's a good coach. I think he's done a really good job recruiting. No, he didn't get Trey Jones. 
And no, he didn't get this Nathan Reavers kid who is uh, who's one of Wisconsin's better big men. And there's all kinds of you could you could point to all kinds of little recruiting misses, but he got Amir Coffey. Um, he got three of the top five in-state recruits, including Daniel Oturo. So he's done a much better job getting in-state recruits the last few years. Coffee was Mr. Basketball. He kept Mr. Basketball in the state. He also is the, the first coach, if you go back a couple of years ago, when they went and they, they played in the NCAA tournament and they got beat by Middle Tennessee State in the first round. But he's the first coach in the 2016-17 season to finish above 500 in the Big Ten, first Gophers coach. Since Dan Munson, you got to go back to 0405. So context of this program matters. You know, we 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 tend to think in our own little bubble here that well, if Wisconsin's good at all these things, basketball and football, then the Gophers should be good too and I agree with that. But the reality is the Gophers basketball program outside of one pop-up year in 1997 doesn't have a whole lot of history other than some key players, Kevin McHale and Flip Saunders. It's not like they've gone on runs of 15 years and 14 NCAA tournaments. So if you've got a guy here, it, let's say they go on and they make and they make a run and they go to the NCAA tournament, okay? And you have a guy who has in six years an NIT championship and two NCAA tournament appearances and has now recruited to the point where he's got a couple NBA caliber players on the team. Jordan Murphy, I think, is going to get some run as maybe a second-round pick, and Amir Coffey will get drafted at some point, too. I'm not just looking for reasons to get rid of that. Let's not pretend like this is Kentucky and, oh, man, you're going to be 500 in conference, coaches on the hot seat. That's what I was just going to say. You talked about the context of the program. The question you have to ask yourself when you talk about the the job security of Richard Pitino is, what is is peak Minnesota basketball? And I don't just mean in a single one-off year. You have have great years and you have terrible years over the course of a run, but – when we talk about over over the run of a four or five year span, what is peak Minnesota basketball when it's operating at its highest level? What do you expect? I, I would expect and on, on, in a five year stretch, I think you should be in the NCAA tournament four times. Okay, NIT the other. You shouldn't you shouldn't be missing on the NIT, which okay. they have a couple times. And I think you should be going to in a five year stretch. I think you should be going to at least one Sweet Sixteen, preferably two. And leave it open for a deeper run. Are you convinced after six years of Richard Patino that this program is operating at that level? Because if some people, for whatever reason, they have more patience for college coaches than they do pro coaches. I've never understood that. I understand treating the the athletes differently because these are not pros. These are not well. They are adults technically, but they're not grown men and grown women yet. I don't understand taking it easy on college coaches and giving them more of a cushion. If you're not convinced after three or four years that a college coach has a program running at at its optimal level, whatever that level is, like you said, you have your Dukes and your Kentuckys and your North Carolinas of the world who you have a certain expectation for, Minnesota is not that. So whatever the optimal level, whatever peak is for your program, if you're not convinced it's running at that level after three to four years, Move on and try to find the right guy. Are you convinced it's running oh, no. at that level? No, no. Then it's time to I'm, move on. I'm not. Uh, and my point was also there's going to be a patience here of if, if you are the longest tenured men's coach among the major programs, football, hockey, basketball, at that school, there's going to come a time where they say, okay, we need more. Because this, the problem that this school has right now is if you look at their their major men's programs – the success is not there yet. Football might get there. We don't know. Been a long time. 
So I'm not convinced, but I'm also in the same breath not convinced that he is necessarily the wrong coach. So I don't know that I would pull the plug immediately. I just I just know personally, I think, from a business standpoint, that if they don't make the NCAA tournament in his sixth season, that there is a very good chance that there's going to start to be enormous pressure to make a change. I, I, I look over at Iowa. So I, let me give you this example. So Fran McCaffrey took that job. Similar circumstance, took over a program where the cupboards were pretty bare back in 2010-11. Patino came along a little bit later on because Tubby wasn't fired until like 2013. Took him a couple years to ramp up, get some players in there. And then Fran McCaffrey went to three NCAA tournaments, didn't really make a run, between 2013 and 16. Uh, in conference, in in a five-year stretch, 9-9, nine 9-9, and 12-6, and 12-6, and 10-8. and eight. So 500 or better in conference for five straight years, and three of those he went to the NCAA tournament. Uh, regular season win totals of 25, 20. Uh, there's a 22 and 12, a 22 and 11. Then there's a 19 and 15 in which he went 10 and 8 in conference, went to the NIT. That's a fair comparison right there. Just to set, I know it's not reaching for the stars, it's not Final Fours, but, but you got to be realistic. Get to the NCAA tournament three or four times in a five year stretch. Finish 500 or better in the Big Ten almost every year and win 20 games in the regular season, I would live with that. And I think, to answer your original question, Rami, I think Richard Patino is the coach who has this team on that path. This they're on that path this year. They're 14 and what are they? 14 and four, five after last night. Uh, they're four and four in conference, so they're 500 in conference. They're going to win 20 games. And if a couple of those wins, they've already got a couple top 25 wins. If they get another top 25 win to me and they and they win a game in the Big Ten tournament, they're an NCAA tournament team this year. That's right there. And then pop up once in a while. Pop up like right. Wisconsin does and uh, and have the right recruiting class and go to a Final Four once every 10 or 15 years. And to me, I don't know isn't an acceptable answer to that question. After six years... If you don't know, then chances are the answer is no. I'm in still on Richard Pitino. Okay, you're in. Yeah, I'm in on Richard Pitino. Judd is saying, I don't know if he's the guy. I don't know. If you don't have the answer after six years, isn't that your answer? It might be, yeah. Yeah. I. The problem is I'm I'm jaded, too, in, in this town because the lack of success makes it so murky at this point, and it's not just the Gophers. It's the professional teams in, in this town. Uh, I mean, I could pull a plug on, on a coach once a week in this town and be comfortable. <laughs> I look at Patino and I say, I think he's a good coach. He, it would help if he could, if he could maintain or keep more kids in uh, in state kids because we don't have some great high school basketball here. He's done that at times, probably not enough. But I don't know. I don't know. But I just I look at that program from a standpoint of somebody has to start to win at, at a fairly high level pretty soon here. Right. Somebody has to because right for now, your health. Because right. Well, for the school's <laughs> health too, though. For your mental health. Well, the, for school, the school's health. Well, well the, for the, the school's the, health too. School is healthy. No, but I'm saying sport, sports. Wi- sports wise. Sports wise. Men's major sports. It's not. They're bringing in revenue. That's the thing. Like, aren't they? Well, they're bringing in TV. Yeah, yeah. But the point. Saying, but like, the point being is, wouldn't it be fun to have one one of these teams be really good? Yeah, this is more. It's it's less for like the health of the school and the program. I'm it's saying more sports. Health. Like we want them to win. I'm saying Mark, <laughs> right? Mark Coyle, the, the department that Mark Coyle is in charge of, 
is not healthiest with the teams that people pay attention to the most. But it's it's this is the 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 part where you have to figure out this gray area. So if you just look at wins and losses in the last two or three years, you're not super impressed by Gopher football or basketball. But Gopher football just won the axe and a bowl game decisively. And Gopher basketball has a couple top 25 wins. They're bouncing back from an atrocious season last year. If we let this thing play out, I really like where they're at with P.J. Fleck and Richard Pitino. But I understand it's been six years with Pitino, and I understand that this is a huge, huge season for him to actually put a stamp on the program. My question on Patino is, if he is jettisoned after the season, give me who I could go get. Because well, if, if it's, wait, Okay, if it's Fred Hoiberg, let's yeah, say. Yeah, because I'm probably in, yeah. I'm in then. But if it's, if it's, but like if it's another random dude yeah, from if it's another the Yeah, if it's up-and-coming random coach who's had great success playing in small gyms and, oh, by golly, I think he's going to be great, I'm out. I'm tired of that. But if it's a if it's a name coach who's had success in college, and I can look at that guy and definitively say that's an upgrade, then I'm probably in. What if it's Ryan Saunders? I, I was literally just I was literally just going to ask that question. So what if the Wolves hire Hoiberg? He's too young. <laughs> too young. Oh, yeah. He's too young for that job. Oh my god! Uh, we have to find out here shortly which supermodel tweeted at Rami earlier this yeah. afternoon. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been nice knowing you guys. Yeah. Kind of, I'm out of your league now. Uh, also, I have another Hall of Fame hot take for you guys. That I was really? Thinking about today. I mean, it's not a hot take in my mind, but it might be for you sure. common people. I really thought so, when earlier in the in the segment when you said, well, we were going to save this for later in the show, but everybody's chomping at the bit. I thought you were going to talk about the supermodel thing. I thought we were just going to kick off the show with that. Oh, no, we're going to do that when we okay. come back. Yeah. All right. If it, we'll just open up phone lines the rest of the hour. If people can guess which supermodel tweeted at Rami today. <laughs> I mean, they could just go look at my timeline. <laughs> they could, I guess, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the all-new Score North on 1500. And you can find us also on scorenorth.com. That's S-K-O-R north.com. We are Minnesota sports anytime, anywhere. And we truly mean that. You can follow us and all of our different forms of content and uh, wackiness on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube all at Score North. And don't forget, Purple Daily streaming live, not only on the radio and on the live audio stream on scorenorth.com, but also on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook in video form if you want to look at our ugly radio faces uh, talking Vikings on a daily basis at noon. It's the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Jeb with Ron. Rookie of the year. As the Suns turn it over, and then Gorgie Jang, clearing space, gets an elbow into the face of Booker. Well, we saw it begin to unfold on Sunday night without Aiton there. You can see the, and now we've got Gorgie Jang and Devin Booker having words. Quincy Acey stepping in along with Kelly Oubre. I got double technicals. One on him when they both out of here. Both of them. Wow. Oh, wow. Double text and they're both gone. And Gorgie Jang is now talking to Devin Booker and telling Booker, come meeting in the tunnel. Did you guys hear Gorgie's comments after the game too? Yeah, fired up Gorgie. They want to. Jor- they want to. I mean, I just see the ball on the boy and trying to outlet it, and they call a foul on me. You know, that's not something I can control. I mean, my call is a call, but uh, after that, I wasn't even talking to him. You know, I was talking to the ref. I'd be like, "How come it's a foul?" And he talked to me. I talked to him back. We exchanged word there, and you know, I think he trying to hit me. Uh, everybody can see I was clear. I haven't thrown a punch. He's trying to hit me. I just laugh it off. Because I know, like, in this league, a lot of guys think they're tough. And 
I'm not going to keep it in man. I'm not supposed to be here and I'm here, you know. <laughs> A lot of the guys think they're tough and they're not. Some guys think they're tough. Did you see, uh, there, there was a tweet from a reporter in Arizona, and I think it was accurate, that said Gorgie did go past the locker room, the Wolves room, got past it, and was going to go after Booker. Booker, though, had, like, left or gone in his room, and a security guard, like, grabbed Gorgie and said, it's not worth it, don't do it, and he, like, turned around. Oh, so he was going to go so through. He, he, had breached, go throw down. he had breached security and gotten past it, and he was supposedly going to go throw down. Oh, interesting. How tall is Devin Booker? Because I think the reach advantage for Gorgie the, is... The funniest, the funniest image of that whole thing last night was after after Gorgie said, meet me in the back, Booker tried to run towards their tunnel, and one of the Sun security guards just had him by the back of his jersey, and yes. it was like a cartoon character. <laughs> Both his yeah. feet were off the ground and running as he was trying to get it to the back, and the security guard is just holding it by the back of his jersey in shorts. It's amazing. It looked hysterical. Devin Booker is six foot six, two hundred ten pounds. Yeah, really? You, you don't want any of that reach advantage, Gorgie, seven feet tall. Yeah, Gorgie would. But Booker looks smaller than that to me. He That's, does. Yeah. Well. Yeah, because he's standing next to <laughs> he's a basketball that's player. Yeah. Yeah, like if you, you, that's that's the crazy thing about basketball. When you right. watch like a Utah Jazz game from the '90s and you see John Stockton out there, and you're like, right. who's that pipsqueak? And then you, I've never stood next to John Stockton, but I'm sure if I did, he'd be four inches taller than I am because yeah, he's for sure in the in the six foot range, and I am not. They are of a different species, yes. NBA players. It really feels that way when you're around them. You're like, oh, we're both. Uh, human, I guess. I don't. I don't. I don't know. How except you. Except I'm looking just straight up at you, and I'm not that short. Actually, Actually we're the same thing. Our guy Danny Cunningham for ScoreNorth.com is pumping out an article. I don't know if it's posted yet or not, but he's going through after this Gorgie Jang near fight, and he's just going through the baddest players in the NBA. Not like the worst players in the NBA, but the dudes who would end your life yeah, in the NBA. The guys you, you don't want to cross. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like James Johnson is seven and zero. Is it James Johnson? James Johnson. He's seven and zero in mixed martial arts fights. Apparently, really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that either until Danny told me. I don't me. know who he's fighting. <laughs> like he's not fighting Conor McGregor, but no, he's seven and zero in mixed martial arts fights. And I told Danny, I said, "Where does LeBron James rank on your list?" And he's he got to be in there. Well, he said he's not because LeBron's not a willing fighter. And I said, "But if LeBron ever decided he wanted to end the life of." Tyus, Tyus Jones. Right. He can do it right? with a snap of his finger. Yeah. Of all the yeah. people to decide, that guy, <laughs> you're dead. Finish him. Right? I mean, if LeBron James decided, all right, I know this isn't my style, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a mixed martial artist. I'm going to train for the next year and be a mixed martial artist. He's six foot eight, 270 yeah. pounds of muscle. No, he's... He's, Quick twitch. He would be like Thanos in Avengers Infinity War. Like, he could literally snap his fingers and people would just disappear. That's how powerful LeBron is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't mess with him in, in uh, his day. I, I wouldn't mess with Kobe. I think, yeah. Co- I think Kobe, I think that. I don't know. I think Kobe's a fake tough guy. Me uh, too. I don't know, though. Kobe? That, that. Kobe, Kobe's the Kobe's the one who would start the fight and then hide behind Shaq. Kobe wanted to kill people though on the court, and I don't know that that wouldn't extend to, to an actual fight. I'm not sure I'd take him on. Boy, I would, I would, now, I, mean, Wiggy, I would, but I would, Wiggy, put... I'd fight right now. <laughs> Come on, Andrew. Come on, Andrew. You think you're tough? I would love if Andrew Wiggins just walked well, in the well, studio. If you did put all the Timberwolves in a room, 
Royal Rumble. Is this Royal Rumble style? The Royal Rumble is this Sunday. uh, Cunningham and I talked about this off the air today, and we both said Taj. Taj yeah, Gibson Taj a seems he's yeah. a he is a crusty. Now now here was my question though cuz this guy seems to be sort of a sedate dude but I could see him flipping a switch. And it's going to sound weird. What about Jeff Teague? Like I can't decide if Jeff Teague is like Mr. Chill nonchalant or if that's the image he conveys most of the time. Yeah. But if you got him PO'd where he could get it to a gear where you'd be like, "Oh, I didn't see this coming." No, he shoulder-checked Ricky Rubio into the first row in Utah. Remember that? I yeah. Jeff Teague's got a little little badass to him, but he's he's small. Sometimes it's the quiet ones. Right. <laughs> Sometimes it's the quiet ones, yeah. And small doesn't mean you wouldn't be tough as nails. No. Actually, I think he's he's very likable, and he's he's definitely a fan favorite, and he seems like a really happy-go-lucky guy, but Josh Akogi, I think, would hold his own. Hmm. I think Josh Akogi, now some of us is just, if it's Taj Gibson, he's six foot nine against a six foot three shooting guard or something. Right. Take the Taj Gibson. But I think Taj Gibson probably. See, I think, and, and we often will go by the larger dog in the fight, right? We don't think about the fight in the dog and the life that these guys have lived and the things that they've seen. Luol Dang comes from a rough part of the world, dude. You know what I mean? He's seen some, he's probably seen some stuff that a lot of us haven't seen and maybe couldn't handle. He's probably been through some things that most of us haven't been through and couldn't handle. There's probably some fight in that dog, so to speak, in, in a Luol Dang. And another grizzled vet. He's yeah. had his injury problems over the years, so you could probably go after his legs or his back and take him out and get an early advantage. But <laughs> I'm just saying, there's probably a lot of fight in that Robbie's dog. Robbie's got a strategy for how to break him down. <laughs> Look, if you have a knee problem, Luol, go after air. your knees. If we, if we scrap, and I know you got a knee problem, I'm sweeping the leg. You know what's sad? We just, we're going through... Oh, if if there was a Royal Rumble and you ranked all the Timberwolves players based on their toughness, right. who would be standing alone? And we just named almost the whole roster and didn't name Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, I'd take Carl in a second as far as doesn't scare me one bit. I think he'd whine and complain. I feel like that's problematic. I, I don't want to fight. Jeez, I don't want to fight you. He was incredible last night, and mm-hmm. he's been mostly great since the Jimmy Butler trade. And I think I think he's a perennial all star going forward, but the fact that like if if you if you if you take all the other top players, I don't know if you if you take all the other top players around the league and say like Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook could go Tasmanian Devil on you and end you, right? Yes. If a Carl Carl Anthony Towns isn't isn't going to be high on that list, is this Danny? All right, Russell, Dan, Russell Danny Cunningham Westbrook would be terrifying. Are we spoiling your column right now? Kind of, yeah. Um, no, we're why teasing did you go after Tyus? Why did you pick Tyus Jones? That's what I said. LeBron would kill. <laughs> Poor guy, local guy, and Phil wants uh, LeBron to kill life. him. <laughs> like, pick somebody, pick Isaiah Thomas. Actually, I think there was probably a point where LeBron wanted to end Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there, there might have been. But I think it's, it's definitely Tyus Gibson on the Wolves that, that would come out of this fight alive. Where would, where, if... Okay, where would Towns rank on the team? I think he's slightly above the middle of the pack because of his size. You guys mentioned Josh Okogie, and he's someone that I have that I think would do better than anticipated. And I think Robert Covington would do really yeah, well. I was going to bring up Robert Covington. Good one. Covington's got the hands. Now, the knee issue he's got going on, it, it really hurts him. Sweep the leg. But, but the hands, <laughs> exactly. The hands that he's got are what could put him over the top. I think Towns probably finishes fourth or fifth behind 
Taj, Okogi, Covington, and then depending on mean Jeff Keegan is, I think Jared Bayless is another one that could be looked at as maybe mean. I mean, maybe he's that misunderstood guy that we just don't know a ton about. But he looks yeah. like he had a bit of a mean streak yesterday. Okay, is this is this too hot of a... I, I don't think this is a hot take, but if the Wolves are ever going to win a title, doesn't Towns have to be top two on that list? Um, I don't know. Like, none of the Warriors would... The Warriors are obviously different. Draymond will swing of, on you. No, Draymond. Draymond is all bark and no bite. Durant. Dur- bite. I think Durant will swing on you from nineteen I, feet away. No, I think I think Kevin Durant just wants to fight strangers on the internet with burner accounts. <laughs> <laughs> that we know that for a fact, Danny. <laughs> fighting his fighting himself. <laughs> like like the Warriors are are immensely talented, but they are aside from being all all stars, they're almost all all bark and no bite too. Like, they're not a team that wants to fight you. Lonzo Ball said last year when the someone on the Lakers got into a fight with someone on the Suns, oddly enough, that this is the NBA. Nobody actually wants to fight. That's the Warriors. They don't want to actually fight you. Cat's problem is this. I guarantee you, glass jaw. Cat would might. be one he punch might. and down. He might. He does have the height advantage where it might be tough to reach his jaw. But and you also have to wonder, and I wrote this about James Harden. If Cat could grow out his beard a little bit more, does that give him a bit of a cushion? Like I think Harden has an advantage one because his feet are phenomenal. He's got exceptional footwork, but also if you punch him in the face, you got to get through a lot of hair to get to that jaw, and I think that slows you down a little bit. It does, it, it's also hard to find the jaw. You might think you're punching the jaw. You might think you're getting him on the yeah. button, and you're not. Grab you're the sweeping bit. through hair. Grab yeah. the bit. just right. grab it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that'd be tough. Now that is uh, that is Wolves fighting investigative reporter Danny Cunningham. <laughs> Great work, Danny. Raised by Wolves show. We're right. doing uh, Raised by Wolves tomorrow together, aren't we, Danny? I want to go. In, I want to go into this article in depth. <laughs> I want to deep dive into this article tomorrow. Oh, we will. We got a whole hour to talk about fighting tomorrow. <laughs> All right. All right, One o'clock. You, it's going to be an MMA podcast. <laughs> See you, you, Danny. You see, you guys are all coming around to my sport now, huh? You've all said, we don't need fighting in hockey. Why do you need fighting? Now you realize fighting is great. I've I've always told Judd, we'd have these conversations. I wouldn't say we argued about fighting in hockey, but we would have these conversations, and I would argue with callers about, it's it's so stupid. Imagine if in other sports. So last night, imagine if last night, Devin Booker and Gorgie Jang, they get into a tussle, and instead of it just being broken up and security coming out, Nope, everyone forms a circle around them, and, and they go at it until one of them is on the ground, and only then do the refs come in and help the situation. Do you know how much we, we would have to talk about today, then? That's true. And we could spend segments on that brawl. Good for business. <laughs> Good. Uh, all right, can we find out which supermodel tweeted at you when we come back here? Gladly. And also, I have a list for you guys. We saw that Larry Fitzgerald has uh, announced he's coming back to the Cardinals. It's just another player. doesn't make sense why he would go back to a bad team. And I have a full list of players like that. I want to run by you guys at some point. But let's talk about the Brookdale Toyota for a brief moment here and uh, how you can actually, if you've got service to be taken care of on your vehicle, you are eligible. If you go in now between the, uh, the time of now and the end of February and you get service done on your vehicle, you are eligible to get $1,000 off said service courtesy of Toyota. Now, rules and restrictions do apply, but maybe you've been putting off service and and maybe you've had uh, some things pop up on your schedule, but you know that you've got to get in for three or four checklist items. Good incentive. You could get $1,000 off that service bill 
if you take your car in to Luther Brookdale Toyota 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, uh, courtesy of Toyota. So, again, this is a place that my family and I have been going to for 30-plus years. We vouch for it. We vouch for the people. We vouch for their expertise and the way that they treat you like family as well. From the minute you pull into that garage, you're going to feel the difference. Website is easy. It's LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Tell them Phil Mackey. All right. Thank you, Jonathan. Oh, God. What, is wow, what are you doing, Judd? What is that shirt? <laughs> my Belichick shirt. Oh, it's I, my it's my. I thought you were flashing Jonathan. Belichick mood shirt. That's what I thought happy, sad, mad, glad, all the same face of Belichick. Of course, bought it in Boston because Judd was doing a little dance while Jonathan. Oh, was I just like this music. Track. That's why I was just head I was down in the, into my computer. I was into I'm, the not, music. I'm not looking. No, baby, it's like a Friday night for me at the club <laughs> downtown. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. When's the last time you went to the club? When techno was big. It's still big. He used to go to the Met now Club. It's, now <laughs> it's EDM. They changed okay. yeah, well, okay. yeah. EDM. Lindsay's going to correct you on your I next was, podcast. Uh, I was going out in the 90s when Techno was big. <laughs> and I was wearing my so Belichick big. shirt, I'm sure, back then. Sand, sandstorm on repeat for Judd in the 90s. Walking around. <laughs> gin, and to- sticks, gin and tonics. A, a pacifier. Yeah. A pink uh, stripe down the middle of his hair. Uh, we are. I was cool. <laughs> What's wrong with that? What's wrong with the pink stripe? I'm comfortable with myself. We are, like it or not, Mackie and Judd with Rami. <laughs> On the all-new Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com, and you can find us uh, on all of the social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook, at Score North, S-K-O-R. So uh, you're a big hit with the with the supermodels, Yes, huh, sir. Rami? Yeah, I don't know if I can work with you guys anymore. I don't know what this means. I don't know if it means I'm out of your league now or what, but yeah, I got supermodels hitting me up on Twitter. So here's what happened. Kathy Ireland, the lovely Kathy Ireland, yeah. she, uh, she quote-tweeted... The announcement that the Brewers put out about their new naming rights partnership with American Family Insurance. Kathy Ireland quote tweeted, she said, So exciting to see this materialize. Miller Park's next step with AmFam and crew will be incredible. Why does she have any rooting interest? My thoughts exactly, Phil Mackey, which is why I tweeted out, quote tweeted Kathy Ireland, said, just asking out of curiosity, does Kathy Ireland have some sort of connection to the Brewers, AmFam, Milwaukee, or Wisconsin that I did not know about as a as a former Milwaukeean? She tweeted, yes! Exclamation point. Am delighted to serve as an ambassador for AmFam Insurance. We've been together for years, a company and team that I love. So hold on, let me get this straight. Yeah. We're a week and a day into Mackie and Judd with Rami. Yeah. And just now you're breaking it to us that you're friends on Twitter with Kathy Ireland. I don't, and she hasn't been on the show yet? I don't think she, I don't know if she follows me or if she just saw the tweet because she was. Well, she probably just I mean, saw the tweet. You. She probably she's just saw the tweet. But you were unaware of why, why she would be involved with right. this announcement or why she would care. Yeah. And now we, we know that she. Has a, she a endorsement deal me. of some and she. <laughs> well, why are you worried about us? I'm more concerned about your girlfriend. Wait, <laughs> Kathy Ireland follows you on Twitter. Yes. How many people does she follow? Uh, let's see. She follows twenty two point two thousand. So oh, I'm, not, I'm not that special. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Does she follow you, Phil? She doesn't follow me. She I'm doesn't follow right Jonathan. Now. Well, yeah. I, the, a few of these have happened before. I was so excited one time. She still looks great, by the way. Good. Hold good on Lord. a second. All right. She's in her mid fifties. Um, she, so one time I looked down at my, my email notifications and I saw that Jose Batista started following me on Twitter. I was like, what? Joey Bats, 
Jose Batista at the peak of his powers, right? When he was in 50 home too. runs. Yeah. And he turns out he follows like 700,000 people on Twitter. It's part of his. That was Earth social media brand strategy just to follow literally everybody on Twitter. His brand person was the same as uh, Irv Santana's, right? Because yes. didn't we find out that Irv followed everybody and their brother as well? Yeah, and someone else clearly runs their account because yeah. every other tweet for Irv Santana is all caps, smell baseball with like a picture Hold of him on a smelling second. a baseball. I remember uh, one day I was followed by Vinny Del Negro, and I said to one of my co-hosts at the time, I was like, oh, look at that, Vinny Del Negro just followed me on Twitter. He was like, yeah, me too. And then our producer came in, he was like, Vinny Del Negro just followed me on Twitter. Vinny, <laughs> Vinny Del Negro. <laughs> <laughs> of all of all the basketball lifers who could follow, really, you but Vinny Del Negro doesn't. He he only follows nine hundred people, so you should still feel special. Really, yeah, nice, outstanding. But yeah. you know what's the you know what's the coolest thing about Kathy Ireland tweeting at me? So as a young man, I was probably like twelve, mm-hmm. maybe thirteen at the time. Went to TGI Fridays for my birthday. And I was gifted, I don't know why they would give this to a 12 or 13 year old kid, but was gifted by the manager of this TGI Fridays, a life-sized cardboard cutout of Kathy Ireland in a skin-tight green dress. It was a St. Patrick's Day promotion with her arm wrapped around a, a giant bottle of Budweiser, a bottle of Budweiser. Isn't this a Family Guy sketch? <laughs> Positive, yes. this is a family guy. Yes, I know <laughs> that was basically a family guy sketch, and that cardboard cutout stayed with me for like eight years. Like, I kept it through college. So like, you were how old when you got this? <laughs> like 12 or 13. How'd your parents react when this guy like said, Yeah, hey kid, why don't you take this cardboard cutout of this incredibly attractive? But they were apparently cool with it because it came home with us. Like we somehow got that thing in the car and it came home with us and spent my formative years as a young man with me from like thirteen to twenty one. I spent with a cardboard cutout of Kathy Ireland. So in my in my attempt to get Kathy to follow me, I'm tweeting Thrilled to see that at Kathy Ireland followed our buddy Rami is tweeting today. One true talent following another. When she follows you, and I'm going to throw this out there, see if I can get her to follow me. When she follows you, so I'll, I'll bet you, I'll bet you, because you're complimenting her, I bet you she'll follow him. If she's if she's following them, she'll follow you. Okay, yeah. you have to slide into her DMs with. <laughs> Later tonight with you up question mark. Oh, that's a must. I never thought and of that, but that's shot the response. That's how you instantly get unfollowed and blocked immediately. The, the response will be a knock at the door and a couple of FBI agents wondering if I can talk. Okay, be be a little less forward then and just slide into her DMs with hey dot dot dot. Okay. All right. Hey, you dot, up. dot, dot. You up. What is you up? I'm not going to slide into the DMs because my girlfriend would not be happy. Well, that's she could be in on it. That's how we met. You guys are but, exploratory, aren't you? <laughs> I'm married and I'm about to take this chance. This is all about the show, Rami. Quit being so selfish. It crossed my mind and I was like, eh, it's probably a little too creepy. I was going to tweet and tell her about the cardboard cutout that I spent my formative years with of her. Would that is that weird? Is that weird to tell a woman? I, I no. spent ages 13 to 21 with a cardboard cutout of you in a mini dress it's a little weird <laughs> no do it I, I i actually have a cardboard cutout of kelly kapowski from like the saved by the bell years that, that my you girlfriend got it? for me when we first started dating <laughs> she's a keeper she definitely the moment i figured which that one out. <laughs> the girlfriend of the cardboard cutout of kelly kapowski yeah, both so do you guys ever I, I every once in a while you get followed by you know i don't know someone prominent or big media person or athlete or local athlete 
And because of that, every time I tweet something that might be sort of dumb or questionable, which is almost all of my tweets. Yeah. When I click send, I always think, oh, I bet you I just lost like three credible followers. <laughs> like, I bet you Jason Stark probably just unfollowed me for those for those Saved by the Bell tweets that I threw out. So are we saying, should I tweet and tell her about the cardboard yes. cutout? I, all right. I say absolutely. Okay. Man, I just want to like, see if she is, follows me. It's, shoot your shot, I guess. <laughs> well, it's a great story. It's not like you stole it like a, no, some young was, 13-year-old no, pervert. it was gifted to me. It was gifted yeah, to it. me by the manager of ATGI Fridays. I just think it's hilarious that your parents are like, oh, okay, cool. Nice. Our young son, Ronnie, would <laughs> love birthday. that cardboard cutout. <laughs> we'll put it up right in the corner of his room. I wonder what's going to happen. Shoot your shot. <laughs> I did. I did many times. Here's a question. <laughs> I knew that was coming. And I didn't mean it that way. Here's a question. I, just in case someone has a story out there, there's got to be a listener with a story. Uh-huh. Most interesting celebrity encounter, either on the internet or in person. If anyone has a story out there, from now until the end of the show, we'll just 651-646-8255. 651-646-8255. It's not really, a, well, it is a celebrity. He, uh, it was Phil Lodeholt at the time. This is when I was working at Valley Fair. And it was after, it was during the Halloween haunt one night. I think it was like a Friday night or whatever. So I'm going back to the office because I was working security at the time. And I'm going, you guys know Power Tower? How it has the bridge to go over to it? The thing bounces a little yeah, it's bit. it's terrifying. Yeah, I don't like power tower. I'm not a fan of heights. Um, so I'm going across that bridge at night, and all of a sudden, like, the bridge isn't bouncing. I'm like, what's going on here? Why is it not bouncing? I know it's cold, but that shouldn't have an effect on it. Walking across the bridge, Phil Lodeholt, and I think John Sullivan at the time. Maybe not John Sullivan. It was the backup center. They were walking together, and Phil's like, hey, this is, I, I'm blanking on the center's name. He's like, hey, this is, Blank and Blake from the Minnesota Vikings. Can you get us on Power Tower? They just said his clothes. I'm like, yeah, but you're Phil Lodehold. You're like 6'9", 375 pounds. Why aren't you asking about yourself getting on? I'm like, no, I can't do that, buddy. Man. So did so did Phil go on the, the Power Tower or no? No, it was closed at the time. Because I would be, oh, I would have been fired okay, if okay. I had. Good call <laughs> hey, on your I'm part. I'm scared to open this up. <laughs> Man, running into Phil Lodehold, period, is just sort of like that guy's six, six yeah. foot nine, oh, almost yeah, 400 pounds. Absolutely destroy you. All right, so the tweets have been sent out. Hey, do you guys, you guys saw the news that Larry Fitzgerald is, like, it's like the season turned into the Brett Favre of wide receivers without all the emotional press conferences, where right. every year he's teasing retirement, and he's going back to the Arizona Cardinals. And, and Judd and I were talking about this just before the show started. If, you're, if you've got opportunities late in your career to go play anywhere else other than the Cardinals, right? What is keeping him in a Cardinals uniform? What are we missing? Why doesn't he? And it doesn't have to be the Vikings. But if you're him, is there? it's not like a heritage franchise. Right? I get it. It's the franchise you've played for your whole career. But why not go play with Aaron Rodgers or something? Or beg right? the Patriots to take you for yeah, go play with one Tom last Brady. year. That's what I'm, I would just think. You played this long. Nobody is going to fault you if you spend one last year trying to chase a ring, right? Like, I don't think anyone's going to say, no. how could Fitzy do that? So find a team. You're, you're a good player. You're well-liked. On a one-year contract, basically a team is going to take you because you're still productive, but you keep going back to the Arizona Cardinals? It's weird. I have a list of players, four players, just off the top of my head today that I, I I think about these guys every time a contract comes up or every time you hear them 
quoted in the newspaper at the end of a dog season or something. Like, why do you choose to stay? It's the it's free agency, or why do you choose to stay with that crappy team or that situation that's not advantageous to you? I want to throw these four guys out and get your thoughts. All right, because right. number one is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has people throwing him under the bus on a regular basis. Fans, people think he's the problem, and you just you join us from Milwaukee. So you talk Packers all day long, every yep. day. Yep. People think Rodgers is the problem. He has no defense on a regular basis. In fact, Tom Brady has always had top 10 defenses, and Aaron Rodgers has only had maybe two or three top 10 defenses in his career. I think it's career. two. Two? Yeah. And they don't, they don't really target free agents of notes. They'll get the washed-up Jimmy Graham once in a while. I think that's about to change, though. Okay. And they, I'm sure that he knows that because yeah. he signed that new deal. So Aaron Rodgers is on my list. Philip Rivers is on my list. That team moves to Los Angeles. Coaching changes every two or three years. Regularly no defense. He commutes two hours now. I, I, I get for him it's hard because he has nine kids, so it's right. hard to just move your family to like right. Cleveland or something, right? Yes. Um, he didn't want to move to L.A. because of the nine kids. That's why he's commuting two hours and, and bought a luxury bus yes. to make that commute Who would want every nine week? kids, though? I don't That's know. That's my question. No offense kids. to people out there, but if you have nine kids, what are you thinking? That's a lot of kids. I'm against one. You and me both. <laughs> I got a dog. She's a pain in the butt. Joe Thomas is on the list. Yes. That dude played in Cleveland for 11 years. I love this one. Never played in a playoff game, ever. One time, they finished over 500. It was his rookie year. They went 10-6 and and missed the playoffs. And only twice in his career did they have more than five wins in a season in Cleveland. And he stayed through multiple contracts. That one was baffling to me. Because that was a long career where he was at the top of his game and, and and the elite... The elite, like the measure of his position, and he could have left at any time for top dollar to any team and kept on coming back to the Browns. That I did not understand that at all. And he played a position that is basically next to QB, right? As far as so, it's not like he was a center. Oh, you're a nice center. Joe Thomas played a position at which teams would pay you a ton, right? And and at which if you went to a team that was close, you could be the difference. Like if Joe Thomas had gone to a Super Bowl contending team that that didn't have a good left tackle right there, that could be the guy. Yeah, and, and then, for him to stay in Cleveland, and it's not even the real Browns. Sorry, Danny, but it's not. Yeah, it's, it's the second incarnation of a franchise that until now has been nothing but a dumpster fire. I know he was banged up, but I have to think that burnout from just being on a crappy team probably contributed. If if, if Joe Thomas had played his career for the Chiefs or something. Just a better team. Mm-hmm. Would he be retired now? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I know he was. I know he had some injury issues, but I don't. I think playing for that team for that long probably burns you out five years quicker than other franchises. And then the other one was a baseball player. Why does this guy continue to stay with this team? Go explore other options. Joey Votto has spent twelve years in Cincinnati. Much like fans here get on Joe Mauer for lack of certain productivity things, they get on Joey Votto for not doing enough. He's led the major leagues in on-base percentage seven times. He's a 311 career hitter. He hits 25 or 30 home runs every year, and he's only played in nine playoff games. The Reds are a tire fire. Yeah, that's and true. And Joey Votto has had two different contractual chances to go somewhere else, and he stays. Joey Votto, and sometimes it comes off that he's that he's a jerk, and he might be, but sometimes I just get the sense that He's operating at a higher level than a lot of us. A lot of us average. I like folk. him a lot. I do too. But he's I feel. A character. I feel like he can find 
happiness in a situation where I couldn't because he's just operating on a different level than than what I'm at. Like we we look I look at it and I go, that looks miserable. How can you even how can you even be happy there? But see I'm sure he somehow has a way to to describe and logically describe why he's happy in Cincinnati in the situation that he's in. He's more Zen than you. Yes. Mauer here, right? I mean, well, Maurer was under contract the whole time. No, no, but Joe, but Joe definitely could, could have gone to him last July and said, "I'm going to retire. Ship me to a place where I've got a chance. Right? Give me one. Give me one more chance. Let's take one quick call here on celebrity encounters from Dave and Fairbowl. Hey, Dave. Hey, yeah, I had a close encounter with Clint Eastwood. I used to go out there to Monterey on business, and I took along some some support staff with me. One young lady and a man. They had to go to Mission Ranch. It was Clint's restaurant. I said, fine, I'll, I've been there 25 times. You're not going to see Clint. You're not going to see Clint. And the young lady was facing the door, started vibrating. She said, Clint just walked in. And she ran over to him and had, had her phone out to take a picture and everything. And he was very polite and said, you know, thanks for coming, you guys. I, I just drove from Los Angeles. I'm just going to have a glass of wine with my friends. Uh, maybe I'll stop by. And I thought, well, what a polite guy. Put, put us off very nicely. Fifteen minutes later, he comes over to our table, pulls up a chair, talks to us for 15 or 20 minutes. Wow. About what, are you, what are you doing from Minnesota? How'd you get here? Oh, pictures, yeah. Get pictures. You want to sign things for the people? It was unbelievable. I had a whole different impression of Clint after that encounter. Wow, that's amazing. Thanks for the story, Dave. Because I don't think... Pretty cool. I don't think I would have pegged Clint Eastwood for a pull-up-a-chair next to some random dudes at a, an establishment. He hangs out with chairs. Day. Remember the Republican <laughs> National Convention a few years ago when he talked to a chair for yes. eight minutes? So he loves no, chairs. I had forgotten about that one, but you're right now that you mention it. It's amazing. He's got a thing for chairs. <laughs> Can you guys leave? I'd like to sit by these chairs.